Hey listeners, we have a very rare opening for an associate sound designer mixer here at DeFacto Sound. That's my sound design studio and the studio behind 20,000 Hertz. To learn more, visit jobs.defactosound.com. This application window closes on May 22nd. Now, onto the show. This is Woody, and you are listening to 20,000 Hertz. That's Woody from Toy Story. And in case you're wondering, no, it's not a deepfake voice. Now, as we all know, in the Toy Story movies, Woody is played by the one and only Tom Hanks. But a while back, I came across a YouTube clip of Tom Hanks on The Graham Norton Show. In it, Graham holds up a toy Woody doll and pulls the string on its back. You listen to this. Ha <laughs> ha! Boy, am I glad to see you. Is that you? No, it's my brother Jim. <laughs> Is it really? Yeah. Is it, that's so weird, because we were on the internet, somebody said that, and we kind of, oh, that just sounds like a load of old rubbish. So it turns out that doll isn't the only place where Woody is voiced by Tom's younger brother, Jim Hanks. Jim's Woody voice is so good that it gets used in video games, rides, toys, and the list goes on. There are so many uh, computer games and video things, and Jim just, he works on those all year long. As I said, you don't want to do this. He said, no, get my brother Jim, you know, he'll do it. So that's my brother Jim. That's That's amazing. That's amazing. That's incredible. I I, I genuinely thought that was an urban myth. But it really is true. Absolutely true. When Jim Hanks plays Woody, he's acting as a so-called sound-alike, also known as a voice double. It's a special category of voice acting that most people have probably never heard of. Because when it's done well, you don't even know it's happening. If a talent's not available, or they may not want to do a certain project, then we have to have a sound-alike that represents the character that has all the acting beats and the voice characteristics of the original. That's Rick Dempsey. Rick leads a division of Walt Disney Studios called Disney Character Voices International. I've been there for 33 years and have been working in the character voice world kind of my entire career. Back in the 80s, Disney was in the process of revamping the audio in their theme parks, but they ran into a problem. In casting the voices for all the audio in the attractions, we realized that there was no consistency of our voices. Like, we didn't have definitive voices for each of the characters. There were like seven people doing the voice of Mickey Mouse for the company. Mickey was originally voiced by Walt Disney. Hey, Puddle! Here she comes! But over the years, he was also played by Stan Freeberg. Dance? Oh, that's silly, Goopy. How can a dog dance? Alan Young. Mr. Scrooge, uh, tomorrow is Christmas, and I was wondering if I could have half a day off. Jimmy McDonald. Uh, thank you. Thank you, ladies and gentlemen. And Les Perkins. Speak more clearly, Donald. They can't understand you. Disney wanted their iconic characters to sound consistent across theme parks, toys, shows, and anywhere else they may appear. So they built a whole department around it. That was really the birth of Character Voices, and I was the first employee hired into that organization in 1988. First up were the classics. When we started in 1988, we really were focused on Mickey, Donald, and Goofy. So we'd cast the definitive voice of Mickey and the definitive voice of Goofy, and there was only one for each of those characters. At the time, Mickey was assigned to voice actor Wayne Allwine. Hey, everybody! It's me, Mickey Mouse! But what happened in 1989 really kind of changed things, and that was that we released The Little Mermaid. 
What I want from you is... Your voice. My voice? You've got it, sweet cakes. The success of The Little Mermaid marked a new era for Disney characters. Suddenly, there were more toys and rides and tie-ins than ever before. And then, of course, you saw the momentum build with Beauty and the Beast. I can't believe it. I've never seen so many books in all my life. And then Aladdin. I choose you, Aladdin. (laughs) Call me Al. There was The Nightmare Before Christmas. My Christmas is filled with laughter and joy and this. And then The Lion King. Well, kid. Oh, well. Hakuna Matata. And Pocahontas. But Grandmother Willow, what is my path? How am I ever going to find it? So animation all of a sudden had all these franchises and all these characters that were now our responsibility to ensure consistency across all the different platforms of Disney. But there was a whole new set of characters coming down the pike. In the mid-90s, Disney teamed up with Pixar to make the first full-length computer animated film, Toy Story. In the lead role, they cast one of the most in-demand actors in Hollywood, Early on, when we were working with Woody, and we knew that Tom was this in the 90s, I mean, he's the biggest star on the planet, and we just knew he just wasn't going to be available to do a lot of stuff. That's because Tom was busy making hit movie after hit movie. There's no crying in baseball! Life was like a box of chocolates. Houston, we have a problem. You've got mail. Wilson! Wilson! There was simply no way that Tom could record every Woody line for every possible tie-in. So, they needed a sound-alike. I think I was the one who suggested we hunt down his brother, or Tom might have suggested it, but I remember that initial audition, and Jim came in as a... He had done some acting, but he certainly hadn't done Woody. Not only had he never done Woody's voice, he'd never done Tom's voice. It was the first time I'd ever even really tried specifically to sound like Tom. My name is Jim Hanks. Some people call me Jimmy. I fell into voiceover years ago with absolutely no training. And to this date, I still have no training. (laughs) Jim's IMDb credits are pretty extensive. They include Scrubs and Dexter and Robot Chicken. But if you Google me, it's all about my doing Woody and everything but the movies been doing that for 27 years now. It's been a great gig. And I understand you talked to Rick Dempsey, and he was the guy I first started working with, and a great guy and a very good director. Working with Jim, we kind of found the voice and worked very closely together to ensure that he got that character up to where Tom had put him. And he does a fantastic job. Back in the day when I first started, it was mostly just about getting loud. The louder I go, the more it sounds like Tom. I came to realize that my Woody was my impression of Tom yelling at his kids. It was all, hey, get down from there. What are you doing? You know, that kind of thing. But with a little practice, Jim learned to hone that voice. I realized that one thing Tom does naturally is project. And maybe that's because he did a lot of theater or maybe he just wants everybody to notice him. I don't know. But Tom projects, and when I talk, I'll admit I'm kind of lazy. I just kind of let everything sink. I talk right from the chest and the lower throat. And I notice that when Tom talks, 
he goes simultaneously into his diaphragm and his nose. So when Tom talks, he talks like this, and I have to press my diaphragm and push it up into my face. So whenever I'm doing recordings, the way I get to it is I say, hey, 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 here's Tom right there. There's Tom doing his thing, and he's loud and he's projected. Disney didn't waste any time putting Jim to work. They started with a video game that came out the same year as the first Toy Story. At the time, the movie hadn't come out. I had no idea what was going on. They played me a few things that Tom had said, so I kind of mimicked that. I stepped into a booth and did yeehaws and you're my favorite deputy. But once Toy Story exploded, so did the merchandise and tie-ins. And Jim got better and better. My voices in the toys and all the games. Hey, deputy, type in your name. Wow, everyone's a winner. Thanks for playing, partner. Evil Dr. Porkchop. So you're Andy's new toys? My voice is all over Disneyland and Disney World. Hey, howdy, hey. Welcome to our practice game. Buzz says riding with Slinky Dog on the coaster set reminds him of flying. If you go see Disney on ice, it's Jim, not Tom. (laughs) Good idea, Bo. Hey, Sarge, front and center. Jim was the perfect fit to step in for his brother, but their situation is pretty unique. There's not a whole lot of siblings who do voice matches for their famous brothers. It's just a weird thing. Of course, the first choice for a character voice is always going to be the original actor. In most cases, we get the original talent to voice our characters. The only time is usually when it's a scheduling conflict, when they're not available. There are some actors who always make themselves available to voice their character. Mandy Moore, for example, I think she's done every Rapunzel project just because that's her character. She is Rapunzel. Here's Mandy in the game Disney Princess, My Fairy Tale Adventure. Oh, I'm so glad you're back. Pascal and I were going to meet Flynn, but then we got to this broken bridge. But no matter how much an actor loves their role, a star's time is hard to come by. There are times when we need to find sound-alikes, maybe like Eddie Murphy as Mushu in Mulan. Here's Eddie Murphy. Of course, I'm travel size for your convenience. If I was my real size, your cow here would die afraid. Down, Bessie. Eddie might not be available for, let's say, an interactive game that has 500 lines in it. So we would get our sound alike to come in and record the 500 lines, you know, making sure that people believe that it's Mushu, even though it's not necessarily Eddie Murphy. Eddie Murphy's go-to sound alike is an actor named Mark Mosley. Here he is in Disney's animated storybook, Mulan. Keep clicking around and we'll put all the magic back in the scroll in record time. Here's Mark again, doing Mushu in Kingdom Hearts 2. That's right, I know you heard of me. I'm little, lethal, and legendary. Mark also voices Donkey in the Shrek video games. Easy, huh? Yeah, well, I hate to break it to you, but she got a serious queen of the battlefield thing going on, and you ain't exactly her type. Occasionally, an actor will have specific opinions about how their character should be voiced. So like uh, Robin Williams as the genie in Aladdin. Hello, Aladdin. Nice to have you on the show. Can we call you Al or maybe just Din? How about Laddie? Robin wasn't available to do everything, and yet we had restrictions because Robin was opposed to 
finding an exact voice match to what he was doing. So that's a little different scenario where now we're just trying to find someone who can simulate what Robin did without sounding exactly like Robin. So the first one we used was Dan Castellaneta, who is um, Homer Simpson. Ooh, a plan fiendishly clever in its intricacies. So we used Dan for a number of projects. This is one fun place. Look around, explore. If you ever need help, click here. I'll be there in a flash. And then Robin would come in and do other projects. And here you can decide how hard you want to make the adventure. Do you want to be a manly man? Or just simply enjoy a nice day on the hard drive? Now, voice doubling makes a lot of sense for animation and video games. But when an actor is on screen, they sometimes need a sound alike too. In movies, a lot of the dialogue you hear isn't actually what was recorded on set. That's because lots of dialogue gets re-recorded after filming is complete. It's a process called ADR, or Automated Dialogue Replacement. There are a lot of reasons why filmmakers use ADR. Maybe there was too much background noise while they were filming. I'll be back. Or maybe they decided they didn't like an actor's delivery on a particular line. I'll be back. Or maybe they want to change the line entirely, especially if the character is off screen. I will be back. Whatever the reason, the actors have to go into a studio and record their pickups. I'll be back. But movies go through a lot of rough cuts before they're finished. And oftentimes, they need a new version before the actors have had a chance to record their ADR. That's where soundalikes come in. So a lot of times the main actor cannot come in for the tempt up, we call it. Holly Dorf works in ADR voice casting. One of her roles is to find soundalikes to use in these rough cuts. So they're screening the movie for the producers or the executives or for an audience, and they need to get a soundalike for that. In addition to dialogue, soundalikes will also record the so-called breaths and efforts. These are all of the nonverbal noises that the character makes. Maybe they are breathing heavily while they run down a busy street. Or grunting while they give a bad guy a roundhouse kick. Anything from breathing, coughing, things that maybe they don't have yet. And in that case, I do find someone who sounds just like them so that the efforts, you know, whether they're climbing a tree, they still need to be in that same vocal tonality. As it happens, Holly's also a voice actor, and she sometimes does sound-alike work for Lucy Liu. If I'm re-voicing Lucy Liu, the lines would be on a music stand for me to look at. They would play the picture for me, I would put on some headphones, and I would typically have Lucy Liu in my ears so that I can hear her and match her perfectly as I'm talking. As they record, there are three beeps that lead Holly into each line. So it's beep, 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 talk. You're following with picture, right? So now I'm going to watch her and go with her and just, the way I always say it, is just be the ball, be the actor. So I see her jump on the roof. Uh, uh, so that that's an uh, I've landed, right? And then... Uh, 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 and then let's say she takes a big jump from the roof to the ground, so... Now, there I gave it too big of a... Ah, probably they wouldn't have wanted that. All of those efforts take a lot of, well, 
effort. And casting the perfect sound alike is a lot more complicated than just finding a good impressionist. A lot of times actors will be in the same range as that actor, but the way that actor delivers his lines is how they need to perform. The best example is Christopher Walken. Do you understand the concept of the Tooth Fairy? Christopher Walken's tone and tonality isn't necessarily hard to find, but finding someone who can deliver a line like Christopher Walken in his pattern and his style, that's what I would look for. In movies, a sound-alike is meant to capture both the tone and the delivery of the original actor. But other times, a voice artist is brought in to do the exact opposite, to revoice a character in a way that sounds completely different from the actor on screen. You've probably heard these voices countless times in movies, without even realizing. That's coming up, after the break. Why should you learn another language with Babbel? Well, there are a ton of reasons, but let's see how many I can fit into 60 seconds. First, Babbel works fast. You can start having conversations in another language in as little as three weeks. Next, it makes overseas vacations more fun and less stressful. I used it all the time on my last trip to Italy. If you work with foreign collaborators, Babbel can help you deepen those relationships. It's a fun thing to do when you need a break, and it's way better than doom scrolling. Babbel teaches you about other cultures, Speaking for myself, learning something new just makes me feel good. It's very affordable. And finally, signing up for Babbel helps support 20,000 Hertz. Okay, make that eight reasons, or otto ragioni, as they'd say in Italian. To get started on a new language today, here's a special limited time deal for 20,000 Hertz listeners. Get 55% off your Babbel subscription right now at babbel.com slash 20k. This offer is only available for our listeners. That's B-A-B-B-E-L dot com slash 20k for 55% off. Babbel.com slash 20k. Rules and restrictions may apply. Congratulations to Nathaniel Brown for correctly guessing last episode's mystery sound. That's the Cisco Hold Music, also known as Opus No. 1. It was created in 1989 by a 16-year-old named Tim Carlton using a drum machine and a synthesizer. Years later, Tim's friend got a job at Cisco and programmed the track as the default hold music for the company's new phones. And here's this episode's mystery sound. If you know what that sound is, submit your guess at the web address mystery.20k.org. Anyone who guesses it right will be entered to win a super soft 20,000 Hertz t-shirt. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. For me, the hardest part of hiring is narrowing down the search. And that's where Indeed can help. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million visitors every month. That makes it the world's largest platform for finding skilled staff. In fact, during the time it'll take me to read this ad, 23 people will have been hired on Indeed. 
Whenever we list a job, we get a lot of applications. So many of them are from brilliant and talented people. But it can be really hard to have those applications rise to the top. With Indeed's smart matching engine, that process becomes a lot easier. And over time, the matching engine learns your preferences. The more you use it, the more efficient it becomes. According to a recent Indeed survey, 93% of employers said that Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites. Right now, our listeners can get a $75 sponsored job credit at Indeed.com slash Hertz. That's Indeed.com slash H-E-R-T-Z. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Soundalikes, also called voice doubles, are crucial to the world of entertainment. They're used in games, toys, rides, and even movies during the post-production process. Most of the time, soundalikes intentionally develop their performance of a well-known voice. But occasionally, their natural voice just happens to be a perfect match. Actor Amy Landecker has done soundalike work for Julia Roberts. It all started back in 2004, when Julia Roberts did some voiceover work for an AOL campaign. Want a better internet? You belong at America Online. Here's Amy in an interview with the AV Club. My dad called me and said, you sound great on the America Online campaign. And I'm like, that's not me. And we found out it was Julia Roberts. So then we told my agents, I sound a lot like Julia Roberts. Pretty soon, Amy was filling in for Julia, doing ADR on those temp dubs for movies. In fact, she's pretty sure her voiceover ended up in the final trailer for the movie Duplicity. You on one side, me on the other. It's perfect. It's a total corporate death match. The competition will do anything to get their hands on this. And I was watching it going, I think this is like all me. And I said to my husband at the time, I was like, you're basically married to Julia Roberts. <laughs> if it is Amy's voice in that trailer, this would be really uncommon. In movies, sound-alike voices are supposed to get replaced by the main actors before anything comes out. Then again, it's hard to say for sure. Because if the sound-alike's voice is really spot-on, the audience would never even notice. In rough cuts, sound-alikes are used for more famous actors. But sometimes, minor characters will get revoiced entirely by a voice actor. Let's say there's a Hollywood movie in production that was shot in a small town in Canada. For a diner scene, they cast a local actor to play a server who says two lines to the main actor. Hey there, what can I get for you? Uh, I guess I gotta try this poutine burger, right? It is our specialty. Then three months later, back in LA, the movie's in post-production. The director decides she doesn't like the delivery on the server's lines. At that point, they have two options. Number one, they can get in touch with the original actor up in Canada, find a recording studio to send him to, and remotely coach him into a better performance that still matches the timing of his original mouth movements. Or number two, they can call an experienced voice artist who lives 20 minutes away. That person can come into the studio and revoice the character exactly how they want it, perfectly in sync with the picture. Hey there, what can I get for you? Uh, I guess I gotta try this poutine burger, right? It is our specialty. When the movie comes out, the audience has no idea that the server's voice doesn't belong to the actor on screen. Yeah, that happens more times than not. That happens in almost every movie. Completely revoicing a live-action character doesn't really qualify as sound-alike work, because the voice artist might not sound anything like the original actor. That might actually be the whole reason they got called. 
But in the world of soundalikes, the closer you are, the better. We really try to get an exact match for most of our character casting. And of course, it's difficult. You have talent with very, very unique voices. That's why we cast them in the first place. When he's starting the search for a soundalike, Rick listens for something to latch onto in the original voice. It's easier if there's a hook. Like John C. Riley, for example, he's got a very unique voice and it kind of comes from the back of the throat a little bit. The way that he talks is kind of just further back. It's almost Kermit the Froggy, you know? Hi ho, Kermit the Frog here, and this is a mystery box. Here's John C. Riley and Sarah Silverman in Wreck It Ralph. Try to be nice. Try to be nice. You're mimicking me. You're mimicking me. me. Okay. That is rude, and this conversation is over. It gives you a little something to hang on to so that if you have to cast a sound alike to John C. Riley, at least you can find an actor who understands where that sound is coming from in the palette of their voice. Finding that physical hook is a good start to matching a voice, but the delivery is just as important. We really look at the rhythms of the character, how they speak, the tempo in which they speak, the pitch that they're at in different emotions. So you may have a high pitch when they're really excited. No, I'm not going turbo. Come on, guys. Is it turbo? I don't want a friend. And a little lower when they're somber and kind of speaking quietly. Listen, kid, I know it's none of my business, but why do you even stick around this game? So you try to evaluate all those different areas of the original character, and then it's a matter of just coaching the new talent into really who the character is and then kind of working those nuances out. Here's voice actor Brian T. Delaney in a Wreck-It Ralph video game. That's me, Wreck-It Ralph. I'm a bad guy, capital B, capital G, but I'm not a bad guy. The goal here isn't to do a perfect impression of John C. Riley but rather to embody the character of Ralph. It's not so much about the talent, it's about getting the character right. But it really does come down to the acting. I mean, people who want to get into the voiceover business say, hey, I do really funny voices. And it's like, well, that's great, but you really have to be a great actor. Most voiceover actors are actually incredible actors. You can have a great voice, you can sound like Brad Pitt, you can sound like Matthew McConaughey, but can you act? A real sound-alike is someone who can act in that voice and create new material. That skill is why Jim Hanks is such a great match for Woody. But being that good can be a double-edged sword. One of the problems that I have is that Tom's voice is so recognizable that anything else I do, I have to go completely physiologically away from that. Because if I start yelling in anything, whether it's voiceover or on camera, I start sounding like Tom. And it's really hard not to, because it's just a real natural thing for me to go loud and and sound like Tom. And then whenever I have to do anything like a Southern accent, I have to get away from Forrest. I cannot sound like him at all. It's difficult, you know. I'm not complaining. I mean, it's pretty interesting being related to a guy who's arguably the most famous guy in the world. But as far as an acting career goes, I will never be a face in the crowd. I walk in, and they hear me, and they see me, and go, oh, you look like that famous guy, and you sound like that famous guy. And so it's just, 
it's difficult to get parts because, uh, you know, boo-hoo, boo-hoo, you know, here's the tiny violin. But uh, I've heard people say that it's distracting. For Jim, watching a recording of a family gathering really drove this home. Of course, Tom and I are on camera at the same event. And he kind of emceed the thing, and I was the last one to get up and speak. And when I got up and started talking, I was watching myself going, wow, that, that, I, I find that distracting. Watching that video, Jim could see why he often missed out on roles. Because every other word sounds just like Tom did, and all these mannerisms. And I go, oh, yeah, that's why no one, because I'm close enough, but not quite. That experience helped Jim accept that looking and sounding like his brother is just part of who he is. And even if that means missing out on roles, it's not worth stressing about. I watched that and pretty much hit stop and called my agents and said, okay, I just watched myself and Tom in the same lighting situations and everything else. And yeah, I get it. Let's not worry about that anymore. Jim Hanks has been playing Woody for almost 30 years, but he knows the gig won't last forever. Who knows who's going to be doing the voice 30 years from now? I'm going to age out of it eventually. But for now, this iconic role is staying with the Hanks brothers. Here's Jim as Woody in the game Kingdom Hearts 3. After all the adventures we've had, we're not quite ready to say so long. And I think Tom is actually kind of proud of the fact that his brother's doing it. I enjoy it. I'm proud of it. The fact that I've been doing it for 27 years means to me that I'm doing a decent job of it. (laughs) When a character is truly beloved, they often last for decades. And when they do, they usually outlive the actors who first gave them a voice. Mickey Mouse outlived Walt Disney. Kermit the Frog outlived Jim Henson. The genie outlived Robin Williams and voice doubles are a huge part of what makes that possible. If you want the characters to live on, they've gotta be consistent. Audiences want to identify with that character. They want that character they fell in love with from the beginning to be the same character. This is where a great sound alike steps in and does something magical. By keeping a character's voice alive, they can carry on the legacy of an actor who has passed away. For instance, in Cars, Doc Hudson was voiced by the legendary Paul Newman. All right, you can drive as good as you can fix a road, then you can win this race with your eyes shut. Sadly, Paul passed away in 2008, but Doc Hudson lives on in video games, toys, and in Cars Land at California Adventure. It takes all the new tires to win a race. I'm your new crew chief. In all of these places, Doc is played by voice actor Corey Burton. He's our Paul Newman sound-alike, and he sounds just like Paul. He's just amazing. Once you got it, you got it. Twenty Thousand Hertz is produced out of the sound design studios of DeFacto Sound. This episode was written and produced by Marissa Flaxbart and Casey Emerling, with help from Grace East. It was sound designed and mixed by Colin Devarney and Soren Bejan. Thanks to our guests Rick Dempsey, Holly Dorf, and Jim Hanks. I'm Dallas Taylor. 
Thanks for listening. Dallas Taylor? You sound like you design cowboy shirts.